Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 431, Strange Group. Big Chillians, welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, as always with Eddie. Eddie, so I know we're at about the age where we can start thinking about a midlife crisis, but I think regardless of what we do, Aaron Rodgers might have us beat very much with the way he's carrying himself, both in relationships, hairstyles, beards, and now tattoos. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're earning whatever you know 50 million dollars a year i think you can do pretty much whatever you want <laughs> i think he's got his beat in, i think you're right he's got his beat in every department but yep. yeah yeah he's certainly he's an oddball like he, there's no other way to describe it he is it, and yeah he is an oddball yes that's why <laughs> there are other ways you could describe it but that is one <laughs> one way that works i guess you know we were discussing off the podcast he's I think Brady is a strange guy, but the difference between Brady and Rogers is Brady is good at, I think, hiding a lot of it to control his image and his brand. Whereas Rogers is just so off the rails. He doesn't really give a fuck if people think he's just insane. Yeah, which I, look, I admire that because I don't, I don't really love people thinking of themselves as a brand and curating their behavior to present a better public image. So in some respects, I have more respect for Rogers for just being who he is in virtually every situation. I guess the thing I would say is Brady's weirdness makes him better at his job. Like his obsession with preparing things and, you know, kind of whether or not all of the dietary plans he has and sort of the physical work that he does is necessarily the best who knows but still the ultimate goal there is to be the best possible football player that he can be i think the issue i'd have with rogers is that his weirdness if i were on the team might almost make me question him as a leader like particularly now you've had the history of him having bad breakups with having a difficult relationship with his family, all of that might make you question how well he can fit into group dynamics. But the fact that you now have him dating someone who's a self-proclaimed witch and... Whoa, whoa, she is not a witch. She posted on her Instagram, she is not a witch. What terminology does she prefer? That's a quote. That's a quote from her. I am not a witch. She, Eddie, she's not a witch. She's just the founder of Fluorescence a modern mystery school for women to reclaim the magical, radically authentic, wise, wild, unapologetic you. She also hosts a (laughs) podcast called Deja Blue, which is a clean reservoir of consciousness from which souls thirsty for purity, relief, and love can drink. This is why, I mean, I think if we can make a tagline like that, Eddie, we're going to go to the top of the Apple podcast. <laughs> you might have a to sleep with Aaron Rodgers. A reservoir of consciousness. <laughs> um, the podcast description troubles me less because that just kind of, that could, fill, that could fit into the category of just a hippie 
You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who might buy into that kind of naturalistic approach to life. The description of the school, I mean, that is, that's a school for witches. There's no other way. You can say what you want, but I mean, she's described tapping into your magical powers. It's a school for witches. That would be what the, what the that's Hogwarts. That's how it would describe itself. No, I would, I would love for her to further and be like, I, I'm not a witch. I don't have a wand. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I mean, I don't wear, I don't wear a hat with a point at the top. I'm not. But a that's witch. probably why she's saying she's not a witch. If you see yeah, what I mean, I like those and the stupid things that we would, I mean, I think it's kind of all a little bit stupid, but those types of comments that she would get and people thinking that she was Harry Potter were thinking that she thinks she's Harry Potter. Would I don't be, have a book of spells. Yeah, she might do. <laughs> Just, <laughs> but, well, she has spells, but they're passed down from generation to generation. Not a book. In oral form. That's so unrealistic, Eddie, yeah. <laughs> that there's a book out there of spells. But but yeah, yeah, that bit, if I were a teammate, I think I would be sitting there wondering if he was of sound body and mind at that point. Yeah. So I guess I, we did, but for anyone who's not following, this is Aaron Rodgers' latest girlfriend since his impromptu breakup with Shailene Woodley. Impromptu? Yeah. Are, are it was like break, out of nowhere. Well, aren't all breakups kind of impromptu? Do you, do you plan them? Do you go, hey... Three weeks from now, we're done. All right. Well, it was just, I guess it was impromptu in a sense that they had, didn't had just gotten engaged and then like two weeks later had broken up. Impromptu for us. Probably wasn't as impromptu for them. Probably. They were pro- yeah. probably, saw, there were probably several signs that were, they were both aware of. Maybe she, he gave her the first draft of this tattoo, which if you haven't seen it to our listeners, Definitely do a quick Google search for uh, Aaron Rodgers' tattoo. No, let's do a more natural plug here, Frank. We'll post okay. it on our Instagram. Go to Aaron Rodgers' Instagram. We'll post it on our <laughs> we'll post it on our Instagram. So you can search for the Big Chill Podcast on Instagram, and we'll post it there. Or on Twitter. Okay. Search for the Big Chill Podcast on Twitter either. Rather than I, I, asking our listeners to do a Google search. <laughs> okay. What's It's his first tattoo, which makes it even crazier. Um... I don't know. I think if you're going to get it, when you're his age and you're getting your first tattoo, it had better be something that you think is pretty meaningful. Because starting the tattoo lifestyle, I mean, he's what, 40? Aaron Rodgers? 39, 40? Something like that, yeah. Deciding that's when you're, like, I, I think that ship for most people should have sailed on the are you a tattoo person or not. And the fact that he's starting it now, I would expect him to get something that comes across as really meaningful. It would be weird if he just got, oh, I would just got drunk in Prague and decided to get a tattoo on my arm. Here it is. It's really crappy, but why not? Well, Eddie, I mean, he does say there is a deep and meaningful story and connection to absolutely each element of this art piece. And he'll share more later on about that. So stay tuned for for what the lion roaring facing the lion stoic looking means. Cause I've, that has a really deep and meaningful uh, impact towards him. So I mean, he could do, I'm not going to judge his tattoo, but I wouldn't personally no, get it. I will judge his tattoo. This is crazy. Then again, neither and of us, neither of us have any internet. tattoos. 
the, the internet has judged that too, and there was some pretty good comments. Um, so here, I'm just going to read a few because I think these are always funny to read. So the t- tattoo artist, what do you want to do today? Aaron Rodgers, have you ever heard Kyrie Irvin talk? <laughs> Artists, say no more. <laughs> this is a load screen in an Assassin's Creed game. That's a pretty good one. That's not bad. Actually. Aaron Aaron Rodgers got the map to Waterworld tattooed on his arm. <laughs> uh, where's one other good one? That was kind of funny. Some chick told Aaron Rodgers he was an aquamarine rising sun, and the rest is history. <laughs> By the looks of Aaron Rodgers' first tattoo, it's a collage of every Facebook group your unhinged friends from high school belong to. That's a good one. <laughs> but it's not surprising. No matter who, even if it was a, a really good tattoo, the internet would hate him. Because it's just how the internet reacts to pretty much everything Aaron Rodgers does. For multiple reasons. I mean, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're obviously out there just commenting on Aaron Rodgers stuff because you're a Chicago Bears fan. But also just overall, he's a polarizing figure. So he's always going to get a backlash. And I think he's the kind of person who probably enjoys it. I think he probably gets excited by the thought of, I'm going to piss a lot of people off. But isn't it funny that these people are so pathetic that something I do that should have no impact on them actually gets them worked up? Even though it's idiotic, <laughs> sure. But I'm I'm bet you I'm sure uh, when you listen to him talk about the situations, I'm sure that's what yeah. he's thinking. Yeah, he loves it. I mean, because he'll he'll even egg people on when he gets interviewed and stuff. He'll purposely say things to egg people on for sure. I mean, the real thing we have to consider, right, is this is just part of some intricate Halloween costume that he has planned. <laughs> that's actually not a bad guess. <laughs> he dedicates himself to these costumes, so. This tattoo might all just be part of some cosplay Halloween costume he is preparing. Maybe it is Assassin's is, Creed themed. Is the girl he's dating blue also part of the costume? Is she going to play in somehow? Maybe we haven't thought about this. He has these relationships that end, as you said it, in, in an impromptu fashion and rather abruptly. Maybe that's just... Always November 1st. Yeah. He's so just, strange. Or whatever weird, you know, he has specific dates in mind what he needs them for. Like, this girl will be great on Cinco de Mayo. And then 6th of May, <laughs> I got no need for you anymore. You, you've played your part. <laughs> so I guess going NFL, there's not much NFL news, but there was some college football news that that has kind of hit the headlines the past few weeks. And it's this whole rearrangement of the conferences and what seems to be two to three conferences, just trying to load up with every team in a geographical uh, nonsensical fashion, I guess you could say. Uh, So it started with the um, SEC getting what Texas and Oklahoma. And that was several months ago. And it's not instantaneous. I think it'll be in several years, but that they have agreed to move to the SEC. I think they're twenty twenty five, four or four or five. One of the no. Other. I think they're twenty twenty five, and I think the like USC and UCLA, which I guess we're about to mention. No, isn't that twenty twenty four? Oh, that one sooner. Yeah, that's first okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah, and then the newest one is that USC and UCLA have confirmed that they'll go to the Big Ten which you had, I believe, would have been University of 
University of Minnesota or maybe Nebraska as the most west. And now you're going all the way to the coast with USC and UCLA. Um, But I think at this point, I I don't think conferences are meant to be location-based anymore. No, they're not geographical Um, anymore. No. So, I mean, you have the ACC was the Atlantic coast and then the PAC is the, you know, like the Pacific and, but that just doesn't matter anymore. For the ones with (laughs) geographical names. It's a little yeah. bit odd. SEC, but, Southeastern Conference. But, but, if, whatever. but if you're just the Big Ten, who cares? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because people accuse Lincoln Riley of part of his motivation for leaving was to go to, to get U- away, to get away from joining the SEC from a, a school that was going to be in the SEC. And he was taking the easier option, as it turns out, might now be getting Maybe the tougher, tougher option, arguably. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's definitely tougher than what he had for sure in the in the Pac-12, um, and then I think what's going to happen is it looks like the Big Ten is trying to also pull in, or at least Oregon and probably Washington, and then the rest of the Pac-12 will probably just condense into the rest of the Big Twelve is what the talks are. Um, but I mean, it's there... just, it's, it's going to be so weird. It's just. The reality is, right, they'll never do it. But what they basically need to do is adopt a European football model and have Division 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, however many they need to fit in 16 teams per division or whatever, have promotion and relegation. And that would sort out everything from who makes the playoffs, who makes championship games. It would just be done on, okay, you're you know, the top four in Division 1, make the playoffs they play the semifinals in the final there you go like you might still need some kind of committee because obviously they probably they can't play enough games to all play each other might that still would be, be the tough part you can't play enough games i mean you could i think the other tough part is there's so much turnover you, you know the team is basically turning over every three years right and because i remember that year alabama didn't win a game <laughs> i mean you're for the most part the good teams stay good the bad teams stay bad like, yeah, there's turnover, but it's not as if Alabama are incredible one season and then the next season they win two games. Like, it's Yeah, like- no, no. I, I, I think the teams that are consistently great will still be there. But you, when you have a team like, let's say, UCF, who had their undefeated season and claimed that they were national champions, if they were in Division Three, let's say third tier, and they moved up by the time they finally got to Division One, it's a whole new team. And who knows if that set of players will be able to do it. Because I think that's what makes college football great is sometimes you just get a good collection of players together that can form a great team. And then a year or two later, they're gone. I mean, look at LSU. LSU had that one season that they were phenomenal with Burrow and all of them. And now they haven't been that great since. Yeah, but wouldn't you argue? I I don't think it's single season, though. Because you you don't make the college football playoffs based on one season. Like, if you're not an established force in college football, you're not making the college football playoffs. Like, even if you'd beaten people, with the, there would be too much skepticism within the committee still. So you, you kind of need, like, a two- or three-year period of being pretty good and then maybe a great one year and you get in. But I don't know. I think it would solve a lot of problems. Obviously, I don't think... And the big schools might like it. The big schools who don't get into Division One wouldn't like it, so you're never going to have them be happy. But the the smaller schools, 
they're going to be unhappy because you're going to have a situation where you're one game against Alabama or, you know, you're like the big games that maybe draw players in because they get that experience or kind of keeps money flowing in and TV deals flowing in. Those would go out the window. So it's never going to happen, but it would be a much more logical system. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, you can make the case, like LSU is a great example. I mean, they went 15 and 0 that year. Before that, they were 10 and 3, 9 and 4, 8 and 4, 9 and 3. Like they were never anywhere near the top. And then one oh, year, but and then since then they've been 5 and 5 and 6 and 7. Literally okay, they had one year in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> no. They were 9 and 3 the season before. 10 and 3. 10 I mean, and 3. That, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's not, I guess it's not it's not like, oh, well, oh, they I agree with you. If they'd been Three and ten, three and ten, three and ten, fifteen and zero, three and ten, three and ten. But you're like, oh, nine win season, ten win season, and okay, then they make the playoffs and they win everything. Yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how these conferences now realign. Um, especially, I think the big the Big Ten because right now the Big Ten is kind of lopsided from football, the East and the West. I think it's East and West uh, conference. It's a little lopsided, so it'll be interesting to see where they place like a USC is USC going to be in the same one as Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state. I mean, that's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that's what people want though. Right. If, if you're USC, I think you want the other side. So you can at least have a straight shot to the big 10 championship. You just have to get past Wisconsin and Iowa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think college football overall is a mess. They're never going to do the total reworking that they need to do to fix it, but it's a mess. And well, yeah, and it's 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 a mess too because a lot of it now with this playoffs because they've discussed that they're going to expand the playoffs. I think they will, but part of the expansion was that each of these conferences would get an automatic bid for the for the winner of the conference. But that I mean, if you're in the Big Ten now and and you tell me the Pac-12 still gets a bid and the best team in it is. Arizona State at, at six and six. That's bullshit. So I don't know how they're going to rework all of that now. And if they keep changing, I mean, that's part of the problem is these teams keep complaining about how messed up the playoff system is. But if you keep rearranging yourself, you can't do anything about it. You know, like you're making it worse for yourself at some point. So it's interesting, right? Because this will be my anti American rant for the day. But for a country that is so good at innovating, and changing their approach to business, you know, and kind of all in favor of a capitalistic approach to most things. It's surprising when it comes to sports, America really struggles to restructure things. Like you rely so heavily on, well, this is the way we've always done it. Like, I mean, you know, like in almost every sport, it's kind of like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like this is clearly not the best way to decide who the best teams are. Well, I mean, this is how we do it. We, we, we wrote this down in 1935 and those guys knew what they were doing. We're not changing our <laughs> minds. I mean, I guess it's kind of in line with the concept of the constitution in some respects, but uh, it's funny because what you do see other countries with other sports just completely rework. I mean, in, in England, you've seen it. The Premier League was a complete rework. I mean, over the course of our lifetimes, the number of teams in the Premier League has changed. The number of teams that get promoted and relegated has changed. Kind of overall approach and system is a little bit different and rugby has completely reworked it cricket has completely i mean there weren't divisions in cricket until recently and then they decided you know what this doesn't work first division second division sucks if we stick you in the second division but you haven't been good recently into the second division you go 
and America really struggles to just go. Hey, the NFL has got an extra wild card. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you'll add extra games. You'll add extra teams. That bit you're good at. You know, let's expand. This is the only kind of thing that they can do. Like, we Expansion. Can expand. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Manifest positive. destiny. <laughs> we can just get bigger. Like, don't worry about how it's going to. We won't focus on the fact that it makes us unwieldy. We're just going to get bigger. We won't focus on the fact that the overtime rule still sucks, but yeah. there might be more of it. <laughs> exactly. That will fix it. More coin tosses. So kind of going a little off topic. Um, this is just a small side that I thought would be kind of funny to get your, your take on. So I was flipping through my Instagram feed and one of the stories popped up and it said it was like from someone else. Always reread your favorite books and rewatch your favorite film at different stages of your life. <laughs> I know, Plot never this? changes, but your perspective does. And then these were the movies listed. And I wanted to get your take as to whether any of these would be on your top five favorite movies. Okay. Braveheart. Now. Forrest terrible. Gump. The no. Green Mile. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And The Gladiator. I mean, top five, no. The Green Mile is a good movie, but it's nowhere near my top five. I guess a gladiator, that Gladiator would be the closest to my top five, but it's still not close. Like, I, I like Gladiator. I'd happily rewatch it, but it's not making my top five. It might make a, my top five of Russell Crowe films. <laughs> They're going to say, like, Gladiator movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even then, it's... I mean, I'm, I put Ben Hur above it, <laughs> so it's not even winning that category. But yeah, I yeah I I kind not of the agree. Best list. No, I mean Forrest Gump. When you rewatch, when you watch, you know, when I watched Forrest Gump as a kid, when it came out, loved Forrest Gump. Like, what an entertaining movie! What a crazy story! You rewatch yeah. Forrest Gump as an asshole. Uh, as an asshole. <laughs> what, <you re-watch? laughs> what a what a Freudian slip. <laughs> oh, that's the best thing you said in months. <laughs> when you when you rewatch it as an adult, who also happens to be an asshole, but when you rewatch it as an adult, it is it's not good. I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's still entertaining. Is it? But it's not a great movie. It's, it's okay. Just... Like, I, I think Tom Hanks is good in it. You know, like I think he puts in a good performance. I mean, yeah, I guess. It, it's nowhere near my top movies. I mean, it, it wouldn't even make the top five of my Tom Hanks movies. No, for sure. But I mean, it's 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 a tough watch. It's just let's stick Tom Hanks. Well, let's stick and Forrest really Gump. Long. In. Yeah, very long. Let's just stick Forrest Gump in a bunch of famous things. Like, watch him fall from success to success. Isn't it crazy? He's really stupid, but he keeps things keep working out for him. It's like we we get it by now. You know, like, do you want to know how Elvis invented dancing for rock and roll? His leg braces. <laughs> learned it, learned yeah. it from Forrest. Yeah. Oh, he wanted to invest in a in an orchard, so he bought Apple shares. You know, like <laughs> it's just stupidity after stupidity. But I do agree you do. And I mean, that's such a good example. Rewatching movies with a different or rereading books with a different perspective does change them. But for the most part, 
I think for the most part for me, if it's something you liked as a kid, you just run the severe risk that you have that Forrest Gump experience and you like it a whole lot less watching it as an adult. So out of this list, if you had to re-rank it for your ranking, I'll read it again. Braveheart, Forrest Gump, The Green Mile, Eternal Sunshine, and Gladiator. So Braveheart's definitely bottom. Forrest wow. Gump's some really? trash. Don't like it at all. No. Doesn't get you fired up a little bit when he gives his speech? No. No, it's awful. And, you know, and then Forrest Gump would be fourth. Wow, I can't believe the Braveheart doesn't even get you. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole countryman. (laughs) For this whole army of countrymen. For two episodes in a row, you just have to draw on the fact that what frustrates me oftentimes in movies based on true stories is when they are incredibly inaccurate from a historical perspective. It annoys me. Man, and you, so, I, it amazes me how similar you and Bill Simmons are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like for someone gonna... who's your arch nemesis, I see it now. He's your arch nemesis <laughs> because you're the same person. <laughs> uh, but you know that that's one of those that's a that's a bugbear for me. Like if you're going to claim to be, you know, a historical drama or a historic like a movie based on a true story, and then. It just doesn't make sense. And there's just clear, obvious historical inaccuracies that takes away from every other element of the movie for me. What if you said inspired by true events? Do you think that's better or worse than based on a true story? So if it had been inspired by true events and it had been the story of some random made up Scottish person leading a group of of soldiers, I'm okay with that. Once you start having real historical figures appear, it's an issue for me. So if it was Billiam Ballas, you'd be okay with it? <laughs> sure. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> okay. perfect. And, I mean, number one there is the is Gladiator in the Green Mile. One-two? Two. That's your one-two? One-two, two. yeah. Yeah, I, I can get up over that. I mean, I see. I rank Gladiator, I think, higher than you do. I don't know it'd be my top five, but it'd be pretty close. I've watched it many, many times. That's a movie I can quote a lot of. But but you're a big rewatcher, because this is the other way. I am a rewatcher. We differ. I'm not a rewatcher. So, I'll rewatch clips. We've discussed this on previous. I'll I'll do YouTube clips. I'll do some. I'll do four minutes of Gladiator, and be satisfied. But I don't want to rewatch. Are you entertained after four minutes? Usually. Are you not entertained? Sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of Instagram, though, I have a new thing that drives me insane when I'm just scanning through Instagram reels. The couple, like these, you know, these couples, you've, I'm sure you will have seen them, but the couples who have become famous, like posting, they're like affectionate videos together and... You'll see, and in particular, there are two where it's an American and an Italian. Both couples have this dynamic. And A, they'll do like, isn't it funny the things my Italian husband does not understand? Or watching my Italian husband get upset with like Italian food that's not done correctly. But for the most part, it's 
it's stuff where they're trying to make it seem as if the other person doesn't realize they're being filmed, but obviously you're you're just holding a, your phone up the entire time, and the other person's been pretending like, oh, I know this a either isn't a prank, like it's things like not saying I love you back to your husband or wife, and then the husband or wife is getting really worked up, like why aren't you saying I love you back? With a phone in their face. <laughs> With a phone being filmed. Like, oh, no, it's obviously not something we're doing for social media. Like, this is all very genuine. It drives me insane. Got to say, I'm not sure what you're following on Instagram because I don't see many of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I haven't followed the notebook Instagram that hasn't had a new post since 2007 when the movie came out. <laughs> Wait, is that true? No. I mean, not obviously, the notebook didn't exist. The Instagram didn't exist at that point, but... I'll send you one, and then once you watch one, you will be flooded by them. But it just annoys me. Because I also think, in a very genuine way, the way they interact is so fake. Like, it is the the best possible interaction a couple could have. You know, just like, oh, it's so in love. Oh, my God, isn't our life amazing? Like, there'll be things like them saying, going out and telling, coming back and telling their husband, the husband will be like, that's a nice table. And yeah, I spent $7,000 on it. Oh my God, <gasps> I spent $7,000? Like, we don't have that much money. And then be like, are you mad? I mean, if you really wanted it, you're so special to me. We'll find a way. This is a human interaction. And why are you watching that through? <laughs> you, you know, you could just skip. My propensity to hate watch is so strong. <laughs> I think anything with an algorithm for me gets ruined because I hate watch so much stuff. Like I'd almost be rather be made angry in 15 second increments for three minutes than see something I actually find interesting. So my Instagram algorithm has definitely just been destroyed. YouTube, I've mostly managed to maintain, but there are days... The YouTube al- algorithm adapts so rapidly. Like when you watch one video, it's crazy. It knows when you're in hate mode days. <laughs> it, well, it picks up on it pretty quickly. Like when I've watched, when it knows I've sought out like a Bill Simmons video, well, here's endless Bill Simmons co- content. But, you know, like the YouTube, al- the YouTube algorithm is pretty impressive in terms of its ability to, to like force you to watch things that it thinks you will like. And it adapts to that so rapidly. Like you can change, completely change your suggested videos in 24 yeah. hours. Because the YouTube algorithm is like, oh, you're watching this as an adult. Now you're watching this as an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, it's actually also annoying because you can have someone else just use your YouTube for a day. You know, like I have my YouTube profile on my TV. Someone else can just like suggest a few videos we watch on my TV for a couple hours. And that destroys my suggested videos. Oh, I can't wait till next time I come to your place. <laughs> it's all going to be, what What do Italian men think about non-Italian food? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sure I'm not alone in this frustration. But I, but genuinely, I find it, it's, I'm sure they think, aren't we creating wonderful, wholesome content? Like all the awful things that get put onto the internet and we're creating this thing that tells, okay, I'm sure they're genuinely in love. I don't think it's as picture perfect as they make out. They probably, but yeah, I think they probably think it is a a good thing. I think it's such a negative thing because I think anyone who really is watching that and taking any message away from it would probably be 
reassessing their own relationships. Like, why can't I have a boyfriend like that? Like, why, why doesn't my boyfriend get upset when I, when he says, when I say I'm going to the store and he says, have a nice time. I love you. And I just say, all right, see you later and walk out. Why doesn't he break through the window to ask me why I haven't said I love you back? <laughs> Jason Bourne style. Yeah. Like why is Just... <laughs> that why music is... comes on? <laughs> so I actually think it's an incredibly negative thing. So if you're listening to this and you produce that type of content, stop it. All right, you can get us back on track now. All right, Eddie. I don't know when your next scheduled trip to the U.S. is, but hopefully it can be from July 11th through the 14th. I don't know if you've seen, but... I mean, Monday? Yep. Because okay, not happening. For their 85th year anniversary, every participating Krispy Kreme shop will randomly select multiple guests to receive a Krispy Kreme 85th birthday card that entitles them to a free original glazed donut for one year, one dozen per month through June 2023. I mean, that's not that good of a deal. <laughs> like, What's that? Getting the flight to the U.S. to get that or just randomly well, getting a free donut for well, a year? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a net It's not a bad deal. <laughs> even if I win that, I, it's a net loss for me. If I bother to fly to Krispy Kreme and then just live in Krispy Kreme for three days, hoping to get this card and then just taking pity on me and then live like, there for a year, yeah, <laughs> just move my life there. We're going like, we got to give the card to this psycho. This guy is, he is here as soon as we open. He's here till we close. He won't stop talking about how he's flown in. He sold all of his possessions just so he could get this Krispy Kreme card. We've got like seven. Do you think at that away. point they'd give it to you? Well, they either, you have one or two people. You either are the adult or the asshole. The asshole then goes, we definitely don't give it to them. <laughs> the adult, although in America, they might be more worried that if they don't give it to me, I'm just going to come in and just lose my mind. So I think they give it to me. <laughs> but again, then you'd have to live there for a year to take advantage of it. Yeah. So wait, it's, it's just one dozen donuts per month. For a year? They're supposed to get a free donut for a year, but it looks like they limit it to a dozen a month. They wow. say a donut a day, but I think it's, I think for, for your health concern, they it's limit it to a dozen, a dozen a month. Can you, and, and then the interesting thing would be, can you take them all at once? Probably Because like, because that would be annoying if it's like, okay, we can give you a dozen. A, a donut. Like, a donut a day, a dozen times this month. Because it's like, well, now I have to go to Krispy Kreme 12 times this month. Yeah. And the donut is what? A dollar 50 max, let's say. Yeah. So the gas you're going to spend to get to that Krispy Kreme, it's not worth it. No. Not at these gas prices. Whereas at least, yeah. Whereas at least if it was like, I can take my dozen. Like, okay. You tell your colleagues. First Monday of the month, I always swing by Krispy Kreme and I get our free dozen donuts. Like, that's my thing. I know it sucks. There's 45 I of us. I get 11. You fight for the last one. Yeah. There's 45 of us, but you guys can cut them in half. I don't care. I don't care how you deal with it. I'm not buying it. I'm not spending money. And Eddie, I guess you could top that off with a uh, nice, fresh, cold beer. And this is my um, 
it's actually not a BuzzFeed article, but it sounds like it could be a BuzzFeed article. The taste we tasted the top selling beers in America, and we were very surprised. So they ranked the beers from zero to a hundred. Quickly, I'll read it off. You give me a score from zero to a hundred, and we'll see how. how if, close maybe I am. if you haven't had it, yeah. Okay, Budweiser. Fifty. Fifteen. <laughs> okay. Starting <sorry>. real low. <laughs> but here's the other issue, because European Budweiser, and this isn't the like, oh, the original uh, Czech Budvar. I'm not talking about that, but like European, the Budweiser that they produce for the European market is radically different to the Budweiser you get in America. So I also have to flip into like, but I think that's harsh on Budweiser. Like it does seem okay. a very, oh, but okay, I, I will now, do I give them my, do I now try and calibrate, recalibrate based on that ranking to try and get it right? Or do I give my score? Either one, me. but okay, let me I'll know give, which one you're going to do. I'll give my score. Okay. Bud Light. 10. They said eight. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Coors Light. Um, 20. They gave 35, but for you, that's, you know, Miller Light. 20. 10. Okay. So out of the lights, it was Coors Light, then Miller Light, then Bud Light. All right. Corona Extra. Um, well, what's the difference between Corona and Corona Extra? Is it, I think is it one, Corona Extra is a normal Corona. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge Corona fan, so I'm going to give it a 55. They gave it a 45. Heineken. Well, I hate Heineken for the most part. 30. 15 they gave it. So it scored the same as a Budweiser. I was surprised, but I guess it is a blind taste test because I feel like when people would see Heineken, they'd be like, oh, European beer, it's probably really good. So we're going to score it higher. But it is blind, so I'll give them that. So much of that would – I'd give Heineken out of a can, like a three. <laughs> Heineken out of a bottle might give it zero because it tends to get – like it gets that skunky smell so often. Wait, so what, which one are you giving it that is so much higher if your other ones are a zero out of three? Like on tap, on draft, it's, it's okay. Like I can okay. drink it. I mean, I'm not a picky beer drinker anyway. I would happily drink all of these. Like, I'm not one of those people. But, but yeah. Would you drink Michelob Ultra? Yeah. I would give it a uh, 50. Wow. They gave it a five. Lowest ranked beer. <laughs> you I know think Michelob Ultra? Had... That's the one that's like 40 calories. Okay. I think I've only had one in my life, in fairness. So I don't, I don't know if my assessment will be as accurate. And the last one they ranked is Stella. Okay, so Stella's going to get a dis. Well, Stella's going to get, for the normal person, Stella's going to get a European bump it doesn't deserve. I'd give Stella a 50. Stella was the highest ranked at 60. So out of their rankings, it was Stella, Corona, and then Coors Light, and then Budweiser, and then the rest were basically throwaways. <laughs> I'm going to drop, because I gave Budweiser a 50, I think. American Bud, I'll drop to like um, a 20. Okay. 
European. I mean, bottle. right now it just says freedom on the can. It doesn't even say Budweiser anymore. <laughs> European. Bottle. So now, European. now what would you rank it? <laughs> that doesn't impact me. I'm, you are anti-American I'm gonna, though. So. I'm not going to bite on you. Try to get me to go there. <laughs> yeah. A, a weird taste testing in the sense that I, I guess those are the best selling beers, but are they? I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming they looked that up. I Seems mean, I, strange I to me that Stella would be a top, what, eight? What they do? Eight? Four? Yeah. A top eight selling I'm, beer? I'm trying to think of what else would crack the top eight. Like PBR? Ooh, maybe. Just because the, the hipsters love it now. Yeah. It's had a renaissance. I mean, you get PBR in Paris now for nine euros a can. And people buy it. It's unbelievable. Guinness would definitely be on the top eight, I think. I don't know. Sam that. Adams, maybe even. A Blue Moon. Blue Moon, I would say. I mean, we, I mean we Guinness could... has to be. I don't know, though. I think it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Well, according to I... YouGov, their poll... Guinness is the most popular beer in America. That's Guinness, not Heineken, Corona, Sam Adams, Budweiser, Blue Moon, Coors, Miller. But popular in terms of consumption or is in I love Guinness. I think I love Guinness. Oh, here we go. Top selling beers according to numbers. Guinness is actually 26 on that list. This is uh, barrels, though. Also tough. This is what makes it tough. There's so many different ways to to consume an alcoholic beverage. So I'll take a... We've got a USA Today article from 2018, but I don't think that's necessarily a negative because going pre-pandemic might be a good, good way of getting an accurate assessment. All right. What do they got? So this is based on barrels too, I think. So again, I'm not sure. And this is based on shipping data as a way to assess like the true popularity. But so they have, yeah, I think this is probably the same thing you're looking at. They have Guinness at 26 and they have. Yeah. Bud cracking the top one. 10 Bush, Bush light, natural light. <laughs> Yeah. Those are just like zeros. <laughs> but Modelo, we didn't have. They got them at seven. Um, they have, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a slightly different list for sure. But I don't know. This also says the average American drinks 75 liters per year. Do we think that's a lot so seem like, or a little? I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around whether I think that's low or high. So a pint is half a liter, at least in the U, in UK and Europe for the most part. So the average American drinks 150 pints a year. So uh, yeah, that seems low. But I mean, I guess... It seems including, pretty high. Is it though? I mean, I, I, I guess this is including children. And it's including non-drinkers. Well, yeah. But I mean, is it including? Is I hate. This, oh, that's oh. why I don't like that stat. I would like to see out of people who drink, what's the average amount of consumption among drinkers? Well, that's going to be hard. That's a harder number I understand to come that. to. But, but I would like be interested. Nice I would at least. Like that. <laughs> I'd at least like. I'd at least like 
over 20 people over the age of 21 when you're talking about America, at least then, and maybe that number is based on that, but at least then you get a, a more kind of representative number because obviously your two-year-old baby is probably dragging the number down. Hopefully. Okay, so I actually found the correct ranking from where they got their lists from. And the number nine is Sol Cerveza. Number 10 is Dos Equis, 11 is Takati. 12 is Lucky Buddha, which is kind of crazy to me. 13 Modelo, 14 Molson Canadian, 15 Bush Light. This incorporates bottles, cans, and draft. And Paps was 17. I mean, I guess you could say looking at your original list, with the exception of Corona, it was a pretty xenophobic list. Just a very heavy focus on American... Heineken and Stella. Oh, yeah, true. I forgot about them as well. And I take that back then. It slipped my mind that they cracked that weird But I mean, the, the number one selling beer being Bud Light is... I mean, I don't know. I guess if you just want to drink water... And be able yeah. to drink it all day. And it's cheap, right? <laughs> See, this is what I don't get, though. This is where I differentiate a little bit from, I think, other people. Is I would rather drink a good beer and then have two to three glasses of water than to drink a beer that is watered down that I could be drinking beer all day. If you see what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's horses for courses. Like, if I know, if I know, if I know I'm going to be in a bar all day, like if there's some reason, like if it's during the World Cup, and I think there's three matches on today, so I'm, I'm turning up at the pub at one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, and I'm not gone until two. And if everything goes well, I'm not, I might be out till five or six in the morning. I think you say how much is sleep there. <laughs> yeah. In that case, I'm choosing a beer that is suitable. I'm not. I'm not drinking an IPA. I'm not an idiot. But if I'm popping into a bar for a couple of drinks after work, and I think I'm going to have three, four drinks, then then I think I'm placing like the taste and the experience of the beer itself that's coming first. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think even the beers you're thinking of taste better than Bud Light does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, the difference. I'm not, no, that's fair. Like, we don't have light beer here. So I'm, I don't even have that as an option. And f for me, oftentimes, like, Guinness could be a, a session drink for me. Like yeah, I, I mean, Guinness Gu is actually pretty light. I could drink Guinness all day. Less, so less then, calories, right? Yeah. So then I'm getting a taste. You know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing on taste or experience, but I'm at the same time not feeling... Like the other issue with an IPA is like I just feel so full on top of the the overpowering flavor of a lot of IPAs too. Like it's one of those things where like, okay, one or two are good, but any more than that and it's just too much. Yeah, I mean, we always joke about this because everyone always says, but Guinness has, I think, 10 or 20 more calories than a Bud Light does. 
And if you were to offer me one or the other, I would take a Guinness 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Surprising for the, you, who you one who've changed his tune on, on the Guinness over the years. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, hey, look, I'm always happy to admit that I am an ever-evolving <laughs> human being. And ever evolving I was, asshole. <laughs> I was not a, I was not Guinness to me before was exclusively car bombs. That was when I had Guinness. And then the thing that converted me to drinking Guinness on a consistent basis was when we started doing pints of car bomb. And once. <laughs> this is pretty once, good. If it weren't for the Jameson and the cream in there, it'd be pretty good beer. Yeah. And if I wasn't having to drink it in, two and a half seconds, I think I could sip on this and enjoy it. So I think once that kind of, I mean, there was a solid period, right, where we were doing that pretty consistently, and that kind of changed my my <laughs> palate slightly when it came we to We as in you and others, not we as in you and I. You were involved in a fair number of them. Maybe. <laughs> it's not a maybe. It's a definitely... There was a solid six-month period where we were doing pints of car bombs, I'd say, almost every night out. Not like 10 of them, but we were doing one or two of them almost every night out. Like, if it was a big night out, we were doing pints of car bombs. We should get them going again next year. Yeah. I, I, I would prefer they... that over Jaeger bomb. And my heart would, too. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, like my, my body is wrecked after car after Jaeger bombs because I wake up in the morning, I think I'm... I think I've just run a marathon. <laughs> the issue there is people have to be willing to give up. Like too many people, even when you tell them like you don't have to finish this, too many people feel like they need to push through and then you just watch someone drinking a curdled Guinness and it's just awful. Like it's just a recipe for throwing up. It's not my fault. It's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if they're in our group, it could become could very quickly become our problem. When has someone throwing up for an extended period of time ever become our problem on a trip? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Certainly not most on the most recent trip. <laughs> Speaking of which, I guess my my mother saw the like the Instagram videos I'd posted of Vasilis falling asleep when we were on that trip, and then she she when I was on the phone with her the other day. She was like, what happened to your friend? He was so drunk. Like, what was what was going on there? Was he all right? And I obviously, I thought this related to a different story. Like, <laughs> a I different saw your person Instagram. on the trip? Yeah, like I saw your Instagram post. I was like, I don't, in my mind, I was like, I don't think I posted about that on Instagram. I was like, maybe I posted one picture of it or something. And then I started telling the whole story. <laughs> I was like, I don't think, she was like, I thought that was Vasilis. Like, it looked like Vasilis. And it, <laughs> And it was like, she, it didn't look like he was at Ascot because he was in like shorts and t-shirts. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that was just him tired falling asleep in a bar. He wasn't actually drunk. <laughs> Whoops, wrong story. <laughs> can get, you can get yourself into trouble pretty quickly that way. That's a tip for our listeners. Whenever someone asks you, what about story X? And you're not exactly sure which story they're referring to. You must clarify before you start telling that story. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of Vasilis, I told a bunch of people the other day about the Scarlett Johansson sex party story, and uh, they did not believe it. Well, actually, Jake 
listener to the podcast was the person who prompted the telling of the story. So, he's a believer. I don't think he's a believer. <laughs> I think he at least believes that Vassilis got told that. I think some people would doubt it and think that Vassilis made that up. But then when you know Vassilis, you no, know. No, I, I 100% believe that part of it. He just doesn't make stuff like that up. In no. fairness, he doesn't really make anything up. He doesn't he need to. Has, it's crazy just his, on its own. He, he just has his vision of the world. So his his vision might be totally wrong, but he doesn't have any need to actually make a story up. But yeah, I guess final note. I guess I'll ask if you've got any big plans for this weekend. I know tomorrow I'm going to a Hawaiian-themed party, and I know how much you love everything Hawaiian, so it's such a shame you're not here to attend. I cannot wait till I go to Hawaii next year for a work conference trip and never come back. <laughs> Listen, listeners of the podcast might not be familiar with the fact that I think Hawaii is the only place on earth that Frank hates. Like you've never spoken about anywhere else with that level of hatred as you do Hawaii, which is such a weird place to hate because most people either love Hawaii if they've been or are in love with the idea of Hawaii if they've never been. And I'm correct in thinking, you've never been, right? No, I've never been. <laughs> so it's more, Hawaii. <laughs> it's more Hawaiians that annoy you. I think it's more the culture that, that peeves me. The and culture and the you're attitude. Talking, and you're talking about Hawaiian athletes. Yes. It's a very specific attitude of a very specific group. <laughs> Which is probably completely unfounded. I'm sure if I go there, the people of Hawaii do not act like like the Hawaiian athletes I'm used to seeing on TV. Oh, I think there's every chance you move there. <laughs> I mean, I've not been to Hawaii since I was about nine. Remember it very fondly. But I'd say there is every chance you go there and just go. Just don't Wait, come can back. I get a, can I get a job here? This okay. is amazing. The only thing that I think would be a killer is the time zone. That's it. I think time the, zone would be a, the the money is probably a killer too. It's quite you know expensive, how expensive to it live is? there. Yeah. Okay, but like I assume you move there, you're earning a salary that is, you know, the same level of salary that you're earning now. Like you can guarantee the same lifestyle you have where you are now there. I think the issue from the well, the no, you know what? Issue. I'll tell you what my issue is. I don't like flying, and anytime I go anywhere, I have to fly. fly. Yeah. I mean, the, visiting people would always be the issue. Just so much more of an inconvenience. Admittedly, I think you'd get a lot of people wanting to visit you because they'd want the free Hawaiian trip. You know, they'd be like, oh, cool. Frank oh, oh, I ain't paying for people's flights to come visit me. <laughs> not, not the flight. <laughs> what I am think... I, Delta Airlines here? Could be. Duke Airlines. Uh, but I think I, so that would be an issue. Like if your family lived on the East coast or in my case, if your family lives in Europe, that's a nightmare. I mean, that's over a day of traveling to get to Europe. Yeah. It's so that's, that's awful. And then, but I just think what sports am I, am I staying up late now to watch the premier league? I guess that's the approach. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 no, it'd be right in the middle of your of your night. Yeah, so I'd be in a bar and be like, "Oh, mid, it's midnight, cool." Premier League's kicking off. 
Sweet. Hey, Monday Night Football is on at like, what, two? <laughs> two in the afternoon? Monday afternoon football? <laughs> but then that could be a killer depending on your job. Yeah. You know, like some jobs, yeah, but sometimes it'll be like, okay, I'm in the middle of my workday and I'm just watching, I'm following ESPN's text updates on Monday Night Football. I mean, it's why I enjoy West Coast is the whole five o'clock. It's like the perfect time, five, five thirty. I mean, I, I argue the West Indies, it's the perfect place in many ways. But time zone for sports, you just nail it. You get a, a nice time for everything in the US. You get a nice time for everything in Europe. You don't have to wake up too early. You never have to stay up too late. It's perfect. No free, no free tourism ads, Eddie. <laughs> look i love that would be a great i want to get sponsored by the like tourism board of barbados that's a goal now <laughs> that's a goal every episode we just talk about like the Dude. barbados cricket team <laughs> could do i'm fine with that the official do podcast the official non-barbados podcast of the barbados cricket team no, I want to be the Big Chill Podcast presented by Barbados. <laughs> Just have it confuse people. That'd be pretty funny. But no, I also have slight travel plans. I'm not going to Hawaiian party. I'm just going to Portugal on Sunday. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Nice. Well, that's better than a Hawaiian-themed party. Yes, it is. I I am excited though to hear what this Hawaiian theme party entails. Is it just you have to wear a Hawaiian shirt, or is like are they going to have a, a pig roast? Don't tell me now. I don't want to know now because I don't want to. You think it might be this and that. I want to wait till you experience it and you report back. I mean, there's no pig roast. <laughs> it's already a fail. I, I can I can tell you that. I'm just going to be interested to see what level people go to on the dressing up. I'm just throwing on a Hawaiian shirt, which I had to buy because I don't know a Hawaiian shirt before this. So I've gone out and bought a Hawaiian shirt. That's my costume. This is where you screwed up. You should have just dressed normally and been like, you racist people. <laughs> Hawaiians are just Americans like everyone else. <laughs> but I want to see if someone goes like grass skirt or, you know, like, I want to see if someone goes to that level. Because I'm not ruling out that possibility. Grass skirt and the, the coconut bra? <laughs> yeah. I'm not. And if it is, it's going to be a guy. Like, no girl will do that. But there's going to be a guy who does it to be funny. Okay. Well, I can't wait for the report back on that one. Now the listeners have something to look forward to. All right. Well, on that note, I'll talk to you later. Have a good Hawaiian-themed party. Aloha. Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs>